My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Welcome to Choir Talks. Last week we started looking at what I said last week was the greatest prayer in the Bible. At least it is to me, and the reason I think so is because John chapter 17 is Jesus, the Son of God, praying to his Father on the night before the crucifixion. And we have the whole prayer recorded for us to read. Out of all the things that Jesus prays for, uh, the part that I just quoted at the beginning of this is the part that to me might be the coolest. Let me just read that for you one more time. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Those who will believe. Who's he talking about there? That's you and that's me. That's us, right? Jesus is praying, but he's looking not only at his disciples, but he's looking forward into time to all of those uh, in the many hundreds of years that have followed, all of those who are going to be followers, who would hear the message and believe. And if, if you heard the message of the gospel and you believed, then Jesus was praying specifically for you when he said that. So, what does he pray? Let's, now, now it really becomes important, right? If Jesus is praying for us, what is he praying for us? All right, here's the rest of that. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that, here's the result that he's hoping for, and here's what he's asking the Father, that all of them may be one. That all of them may be one. He's praying for our unity. Out of all the things that he could pray for, for the millions of believers that were yet to come, he focuses on our unity. I find that really striking. Why does he pray for unity? Here's what, here's what he says. The next phrase is, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that, here's the result of, of unity. Here's what Jesus expects the result of unity to be, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus thought it was important to pray for unity because he saw unity as the sign that would lead people to believe that he was the Son of God that this whole gospel movement was for real. I just really find that remarkable. Uh, he could have prayed for all the miracle for all the many believers to come to be miracle workers. He could have prayed for us to have special powers. He could have he could have prayed for us to have great speaking ability or that we would have had all the resources and wealth that we would have need to pursue the gospel all over the globe or or he could have prayed for especially gifted communicators or powerful people that would become celebrities or political figures, world leaders. But no, Jesus prayed believing that it was our unity that would be necessary to show the world the truth about who he was. Back a few chapters before this in John chapter 13, he said this to his disciples. He said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And listen to this part. By this, your love for one another, your unity, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All right, so Jesus thought it was vital to pray for our unity. So that begs the question, how often do you pray for the unity of the church? How often do I pray for the thing that, that was Jesus' focus, the thing that he prayed for? 
And here's a more personal question. How often do I pray for the unity specifically between myself and the other believers who are around me, especially those who I will need to forgive or especially those who I will need to sacrifice uh, to maintain unity with? Jesus goes on. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. I think that's a powerful statement. Uh, he says that he, he has given to us, believers, the glory that the Father gave him. Uh, that's really powerful. We have the glory of Jesus within us as the church. It's a supernatural glory that is from God. Going back to the beginning of this book, John 1 says that of Jesus, that he became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the one that comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul says this, he says, as we contemplate the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. So this, this is the work that is going on in us. Um, Jesus has given us his glory, and, and God is using that glory for us to carry into the world, and it is transforming us to be like Christ. And as we are made like him, then we are going to be brought into unity. Jesus goes on to say this, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. He's saying it again. He's this redundant as, as it is so important on his heart. And, and then he says, draws the same conclusion. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Our unity will be the sign that draws people to Jesus. And if it was important for him to pray for, it's important that you and I pray for it. Why don't we end our time, you and me as the listener, being unified in prayer, agreeing together in the name of Jesus for unity. Pray with me. Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for the work of Jesus and the glory that you have given us through him. And we thank you for brothers and sisters around the world that you have put us in relationship with. They're our family. And Father, with them, God, we pray for unity. God, we ask you that there'd be unity in the church worldwide, that you would stamp out divisions that, that separate us as your family, and that you would raise up in us a spirit of oneness that would be evident to the world, that the world would see and understand the supernatural power that is behind it. Father, I pray for myself and the listener today, God, that you would help us to seek unity uh, in our relationships with brothers and sisters who are around us, God. And Father, we ask you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week.